Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm here in my kitchen, and I've just decided to skip lunch. And no, it's not because of Lent. <laughs> I'll explain in a minute. But let me just go through the pantry slash Lego room. I've got a, a, a big table here, an adjustable table that I also use to, to build my Lego sets. But originally, that this, this pantry was just used for, you know, the microwave and all the ingredients that I use while cooking. And I'm now walking through the backyard and I'm going to try to find uh, a way through the bushes here behind my, my house. There is no path yet, but this is one of my plans for springtime. And I need to, yeah, get through these trees um one of one of the projects i want to do at the beginning of this uh spring is to get rid of this this tree it's not actually a tree it's i think it's just one of these um holly plants that has grown into a tree uh, but it's straight in the way and i want to create a path that goes from this <clears throat> this bike lane here behind the house straight to the entrance the back back door of my house and um, so I need to remove this this tree here and some of the other plants. There are lots of other uh, trees uh, on both sides, so that's not going to be an issue. And then I want to create a, a wooden fence um, with also a plaque that says uh, that this is only an entry or access is only for um, party-related business. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to do that, but that would be fun. Um, the, the advantage is I can just leave my house, even with my bike, and I don't have to go through the front door, which leads to the big church square, and that's currently just a parking lot. And there's just something psychological of walking onto a parking lot. That's the first thing I see when I walk out of the front door. It's this ugly parking lot. And, and then it's surrounded by these, these busy roads. And it's just a, it's a totally different experience from me walking out of the back door where I walk first through the garden and then um, underneath the trees at the back of the garden onto this bike lane. And now I can turn right here onto the, the um, local uh, graveyard, actually. So I'm now walking in between the tombstones. There is a, on my right is a, small catholic section here on the left is the protestant slash general section of the graveyard here on my right is a, an angel beautiful white angel pointing at the sky that's how you know it's the catholic part <laughs> i think it's nice that people are just you know being um uh being laid to rest here together because after all in in heaven Nobody's going to care anymore what denomination you belong to. <laughs> we'll all be one. Um, what are we going to talk about today on the walk? Well, I am going to share with you something that I'm so proud of. And I'm so excited that it actually worked out the way I envisioned it. And that is how I wrote a book in just three days. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. This is what I did for the past three days. I wrote a book and it's done. Well, almost done. I'm currently in the 
last phase. It's an ebook, so the 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 this last uh, part of the journey is is very simple. Um, so I'm proofreading it right now, making the final corrections, and then I'm going to wrap it up in a EPUB format and a PDF format, and I can start distributing it. Now, <laughs> I the last time I wrote a book is. 10 years ago, and it was an updated version of my book Geek Priest, which first um, was released in the US 15 years ago, and it was uh, a uh, collection of stories about my work in what we called back then new media. Right now it's just (laughs) usual media, regular media. Um, And it was very fun to write, but also uh, extremely strenuous. And then um, I got approached by a publisher in the Netherlands. They wanted to do a Dutch translation, but also an updated version because the first book um, had been out for for quite a while. And so I'd uh, gathered a lot more experiences since then. And they wanted me to integrate them in the book. And they also wanted me to rewrite the existing chapters so that there would be also uh, in every chapter an application, how you could apply the lessons learned to... You know, any communication situation. It was a, also a, a lovely experience in a sense that it made made me um, aware of the flaws of the first book. It gave me the opportunity to share more stories um, and also to start thinking about how can you apply these lessons learned, um, you know, in any situation, which I think ultimately resulted in what I do right now. It's it's not just producing media, but it's also helping people, coaching people and organizations to improve their um, their own communication strategy and, um, and techniques and everything related to communication. Um, the, but the, the big downside of this writing process is just how much time it took. The writing the first draft, very easy. I love telling stories. Um, and it just required me to focus, um, which I'm very good at, <laughs> just hyper-focus, um, and to establish a certain writing routine. So what I did was I um, gave myself every day um, a minimum amount of pages that I wanted to write, uh, no matter what. So I would reserve a number of hours every day. I would sit down and try to just push out the pages. I wouldn't really overthink it. It was just write, write, write. And then the second phase of the process is you're reading this back and then you're starting to rewrite. You have some ideas. You can step back a little bit, look at, you know, this first draft, and, and automatically you get a lot of ideas how to improve what you've written. But if you skip that first phase of just writing down whatever comes to, your, to mind... Um, and of course, I, I, I started with establishing an overall structure of the book and which stories I wanted to tell. But then it was basically just produce words. <laughs> and, and actually, after rereading it, it wasn't too bad at all. Um, and then, but then, once my work was done, I had to hand it over to the publisher. And they hired um, proofreaders and, in the, second, in the case of the second book, a translator who then started to add all sorts of notes, like, this is unclear, and what do you mean by this, and this may be a bit too informal, and can, can you expand upon this? So you get this document back 
multiple times with lots and lots of notes per page. And I found that part of the process extremely frustrating and tiresome because then all of a sudden you have to, you're no longer, I felt constrained. I know that these people are professionals, um, but it felt almost as if the, the, uh, the, the writing process all of a sudden had become a burden, had become a job. Uh, but I knew that, well, in order to uh, get to the finish line, this was just part of the, of the process. But it's the part that I least enjoyed. I, if I had had the money back then, I would have just hired someone and tell that person, just go and rewrite it, whatever. <laughs> just rewrite it and then let me read it and I'll okay it. But let's let's try to put the 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 weight of the of the work with someone else because that's the part that I don't like and this is kind of always in my creative process uh, my weakness is that I I don't like the the final phase like the post production you could say of of the stories this is also my issue with editing I love filming I love interviewing. Um, but when it comes to just sitting down in front of a computer and just putting all these pieces together with all the tiny little boring details of it, I quickly lose energy to finish the job. But I didn't have a choice back then, so I had to go through this whole rigmarole of uh, revising time and again uh, all these pages. And uh, the second book was about twice as long as the first version of Geek Priest. So it was an, Im- an immense amount of work. Um, maybe that, this is why it took me uh, uh, about 10 years before I gathered the or mustard. Let me press record outdoor walk here on my... Come on. Why does my, f- my watch does not react when I have my gloves on? Even though it does register me tapping on the screen, but it, it just doesn't want to start the recording. I don't know why that is. So I anyway, I won't bother you with that. It's a little technical issues <clears throat> that I face when it's too cold to walk around without gloves. It's strange that it that I have to wear these gloves because the temperature is 11 degrees Celsius, which is actually quite warm for the time of year. But I stepped outside, and I was like, it's chilly. Maybe it's because I've been sitting at my computer writing for three days. <laughs> And my blood circulation is just not optimal right now. Um, anyway, so it took me a long, long time before I mustered the courage to write. What, in, what gave me the incentive to write this book? Um, it's a combination of things. As you know, I'm uh, working... I have been working for two months now on um, a new website that is going to integrate all the other stuff that I have online. So... Um, like my podcasts are currently hosted with Podbean, which is a very affordable service. And uh, in order to use that uh, to distribute multiple podcasts, because I have, as you know, both this one and The Break, and I've had some other podcast series as well, um, it, I needed to also have a WordPress website um, to generate the feeds and link to the files, the audio files that are hosted on Podbean. Then for monetization and also distribution of the premium content to my patrons, um, we use Patreon, 
which is also a platform, uh, has a lot of great features, but it's also a paid platform to a certain extent. Uh, they take a cut of, uh, of the donations, a very small cut because we were early adopters of Patreon and we've been grandfathered in with that very advantageous uh, percentage. But nevertheless, it's still another platform, it's another party, so all the premium stuff has to be posted on Patreon in a certain way so that uh, it gets distributed to the various tiers. Um, and then, of course, we have... Uh, what else do I have? Oh, got all the social media platforms. Um, we do have special pages for donations, etc. But it's a bit all over the place. And if I'm honest, um, WordPress is, uh, you know, a wonderful, stable platform, but also finicky. And uh, especially when it comes to posting media content, uh, you have to um, jump through a lot of hoops. So anyway, I've been, work I've been using um, uh, another system called Kajabi, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. It allows me to rebuild the website. And it's, what I love about it is that it is much more suitable for the type of use that I want to make of a, of a, a website. Uh, you know that I'm uh, building up the coaching business. So it is, it may, makes it possible for me to, for instance, to post courses. And it's not just to, to host the files and to create the landing pages for those courses, but also the whole process of, you know, uh, people signing up, sending out uh, automated emails, all that stuff is fantastic. Oh, that was the other service that we were using, MailChimp, for our mailing lists. Um, I was using Google Calendar to keep track of the appointments, uh, my coaching appointments. All that can now be done inside one system, Kajabi, but it does require me to rebuild the entire thing. So uh, when I was building this, one of the ideas um, that I shared with you last week was to create um, a diary um, and to uh, give people the opportunity to get access to my diary entries every day by signing up. Um, as name, email address is basically a, um, a, a variant on the, on the newsletter, the email newsletter um, approach. The idea was uh, twofold. It would give me an incentive to write a story every day because I, want to, I was following all the marketing advice from this Dutch guy who's very good at copywriting. And he was like, you forget about the traditional newsletters. Just use infotainment. And, and that was such a match with my own approach in every media. Like what I do on the break, what I do on TikTok, it's all infotainment. Like it's entertaining and also shares a bit of information. It was always wrapped in something that people love to, to consume. And so uh, I was very excited about this uh, approach of, of creating an email newsletter that would be mainly focused on storytelling with a little soft pitch to whatever um, I want to bring to people's attention. Like, for instance, last week, I posted a story and I linked to last week's episode of The Walk. And I can tell that the effect was quite stunning. Um, first of all, there was like almost a 50% opening rate of that first email and that email list had been dead for for more than a year maybe even longer um, so that the fact that just 50% already of the subscribers 
care to open the email and and then of course there was also a call to action and it was basically go to this if you want to listen to uh, me talking about this topic on the walk here's where you can listen and I uh, it's a bit hard to track all the clicks and stuff but what I did notice in the stats was that the uh, listenership of the walk of that particular episode went up so much compared to previous episodes so already excited that this is working and while I was um, developing this this idea and started uh, basically um, writing these stories every day, it, it it was a lot of fun to do. I really like doing this. It doesn't feel like normally, um, whenever I had to think of marketing, I was like, Ugh, I don't like that. I don't care for that. Can't someone else do that? But now the actual um, process is much more about connecting with people and sharing, uh, sharing good stuff with them that they enjoy and that I enjoy writing. So then it, uh, I, it, this idea was born, well, why don't I bundle some of these posts that I write into a little booklet as an extra incentive for people to sign up for the email newsletter? Um, this is a very common uh, part of, of email newsletter strategy. You have to have a downloadable goodie, something just to incentivize people to sign up. And um, and then, thinking a bit more about that, I uh, had this idea of writing a book about Lent in combination with The Lord of the Rings. I think I've already explained uh, how I was connecting these two topics in my mind. I first wanted to do it as a webinar, and then uh, I was thinking, maybe, uh, maybe I can just turn this into a, a book that I write. And I love the idea of having 40 days and uh, to have every page basically be one day. Because um, the one thing that I've noticed when I write diary entries is I want to keep it short. It needs to be concise. Otherwise, you know, people are not going to read two pages of text. Um, so I figured, well, what if I use that method of basically short thoughts, a bit of content every day, and, and, and but then I have 40 days, so that is still quite a bit of content. Um, plus, you basically get it to reset every every day. You can you can just create stories or ideas for every single day, but you don't have to develop like a long main. Uh, how do you say that? It doesn't have to be a very convoluted, systematic approach to writing. I can basically just uh, spawn ideas for 40 pages and then that's it. So um, I, I just felt inspired and I was thinking, well, what if I use the, co- the template of a journey, which Lent is to a certain extent, um, it, we have this, this 40-day journey and I use the journey of Frodo and Bilbo or the fellowship, the journeys that, are, that we read about in, in Tolkien's book as a chronological template. And then I will just highlight certain moments along those journeys and link that to themes uh, uh, of Lent. And uh, so here's, here's my process. What I first did was I sat down 
And I just started to make a list of all the ideas that came to mind. This is just free flow of ideas. I didn't censor myself. I was not, this idea is too theoretical or this is not going to work. Just anything that came to mind, I wrote it down. Not in, you know, in any order. Uh, I was just like, let's get all the associations that I can come up with. Um, and events that I remember of The Lord of the Rings. Because honestly, even though I've read the book several times and I've seen the movie several times, um, it, some, some parts of that journey do get a little bit fuzzy. But I was like, okay, let's just give it a try. So I came up with about 20 ideas. Um, and I re I went through the list again and I had to uh, take out a couple of ideas that were too convoluted, too complicated. And then I, um, I used the Copilot app by Microsoft, which uh, is one of those uh, artificial intelligence apps uh, like ChatGPT, or maybe I think it is even using the ChatGPT engine because Microsoft is a stakeholder in that whole business. Um, and ask for some more suggestions. Just like go through the story, give me some some possible connections and some suggestions for the time of Lent. Um, that was both a blessing and a curse because I got a long list of ideas, but a lot of the suggestions were so overly pious and to a certain extent also theoretical. And I just thought this is probably because the AI is using a lot of Catholic, existing Catholic um, blogs, websites, content, books as a, you know, as the, kind of the, 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 I, the ingredients for what it spews out. But I'm not doing run-of-the-mill Catholic stuff. Uh, I want... Uh, these pages to have a real impact on your day-to-day life and not just, you know, pious ideas. No matter how lofty and, and, and worthwhile they, they are, but my, my audience is just not that, um, uh, how do you say that, that pious? Well, <laughs> speak for yourself, maybe <laughs> you're telling me, but I do believe that um, what I what I try to do in the walk and in the break is whenever I talk about faith i i talk about about the implementation in your day-to-day life and the stuff that we struggle with instead of just you know talking in theory about theological ideas um, there's theology in the background but it's serving basically this more spiritual guidance that i try to give so uh, but what it did do and this is quite interesting in the process it triggered me like all these suggestions like oh yeah i i see what you what you're telling me but i don't but maybe i can formulate it in this way so i went through that list and almost rewrote every single suggestion that uh co-pilot gave me um in a form that did work for me and that felt like yeah i can authentically write this down and uh and this works. So that's how I got the ideas. And I made sure that I had more than 40 because I know that once you're in the process of actually writing this stuff down, you will still discover some topics or some suggestions that don't work. And, and that's exactly what happened. So then, like, I am, I'm not going to write full pages 
for every day because this is meant as a day-to-day -day guide to Lent or a little you know meditation that but what I hope is that the book will help people to think every day what can I do today that is within my reach that can help me to make the most out of this time of preparation for for Easter and I want to do it in a fun way in, in a way that is relatable even if you're not a Christian but I want these topics to help you to live a little bit more intentionally um, and so I decided to uh, make each page about one of the 40 days and to add an illustration to it to brighten it up to give it a bit more uh, appeal when you're reading this ebook on your uh, on your ebook reader your Kindle or any other device and so I also used the same co-pilot program because it has a built-in image generator called Dolly. Um, so it's not as advanced as Midjourney is, for instance, and there are some other image generators that are much more um, evolved and better at stuff. But for some cases, um, you can get decent results with Dolly. And, and the big advantage is it's free and it's fast. So I could just sit down and... Uh, say, I would just give me a picture of a hobbit in the Shire, do a hobbit hole in the background, and uh, the person is meditating. And so the first image it generated was this really great image that I'm using for the cover of the book of a, uh, a hobbit that is sitting, uh, just has a sword in his hands, or he's leaning on a sword, sitting in front of his hobbit hole, and he's, he's thinking about something. And it was just like, wow. The only thing was, uh, usually these, these image generators just create this kind of fake-looking, semi-photorealistic stuff that you immediately recognize as being AI. And, and it just doesn't work really well on, a, on an e-reader. Most e-readers that we have today are still black and white. So... I was like, okay, redo this picture, but do it as an etching or a black and white pen drawing. And once I gave that prompt, I immediately had the style that I wanted for the book. So it's this really great, um, kind of looks a bit old-fashioned. It's almost as if all these pictures are coming from an old, uh, you know, uh, book from the, a children's book from the, from the 50s of the previous century um it, it, it's got a bit of a doré gustave doré if you're familiar with him he created beautiful etchings of biblical scenes and i've always loved that style but the advantage was i don't have to draw it myself i'm not very good at drawing anyway but it was a matter of trying to find the right vibe in these images and um, if you've ever experimented with these um, image generators it usually gives you four low resolution images and once you click on one of them it generates a slightly higher resolution image what is my my exercise ring is already closed wow because i've been working for half an hour that's how little it takes to stay healthy every day anyway good sign that i need to uh, start wrapping up my story um and that's basically where the most work went, is to correct the prompts. Because very often it would generate pictures that looked like nothing um, 
in, in, when it comes to you know hobbits or Middle Earth, it, it, it tended had a tendency to constantly give me pictures featuring hobbits with big beards. And I'm like, that doesn't look like a hobbit. That looks like a dwarf. And it's probably because some of these situations um, triggered uh, the algorithm to come up with similar-looking scenes from pictures that feature old men. So there was this one picture, and I just couldn't get it right. And it was a quite important page for me, because it was about Samwise carrying Frodo up the hill. When, when Frodo is finally there at Mount Doom... He's so crushed by the weight of the One Ring that he cannot continue. And then Samwise tells him, uh, you know, I promise you to carry you if necessary. I won't be able to carry the ring, but I can carry you and the ring with it. And that's when he takes Frodo on his shoulders. I think that's a very inspirational moment in The Lord of the Rings. Um, So I absolutely wanted that to be part of the book. But it constantly gave me this old man with a beard, bald head, carrying a child. I was like, no, <laughs> that does not look like hobbits. And I think this is because of the imagery, the Catholic imagery, of um, uh, the, what's his name? Uh, St. Christopher. St. Christopher, who carries the baby or the infant Jesus across a river. And it's a, uh, uh, very well-known imagery. And, and actually, I, th- I, I think it's pretty impressive that the algorithm detects this prompt as referring to this story because, of course, Tolkien was Catholic and in, in, it, his books were not a one-on-one translation of biblical themes, but you can tell how much his own faith has impacted the values and and sometimes even situations in the book. And the more I, I wrote this uh, Lenten book, the more I became convinced that the uh, Tolkien's Catholic background shines through in every part of the book. So, um, I finally, after it took me three days um, to write these, to, it's not just writing, but the writing process itself wasn't the hardest part of it. But it was coming up with how do I associate what I think is important for Lent and for our Lenten journey? How can I make the connection with these moments in the Lord of the Rings? And how can I make sure that it stays... There is a variety of ideas and it shouldn't always be the same virtues that I talk about. So um, it was a lot of tweaking, a lot of fiddling. And most of the time went in the... Uh, generation or writing the prompts for image generation but the end result um, is really amazing I mean (laughs) this is a book I would like to buy myself if it had been on the market Um, so I I, um, formatted everything in pages Apple pages which is a free uh, desktop publishing program and I'm currently in the last phase where I ask uh, uh, co-pilots to proofread what I've written. And that's very useful. As you know, I'm not a native speaker, so uh, my English is very colloquial. And sometimes if you write something down, it has to be a bit more formal. Um, And it also makes some really good suggestions um, when I'm not very clear about. So something is clear in my mind, but can also be a bit confusing for the reader. So I get some really useful 
corrections. And sometimes it's like, no, I think that what I've written is actually okay. And now you are being the one who is too convoluted. But that's what I like about this, the use of the co-pilot. It's literally co-pilot. I'm still in charge, so I can still take what it suggests or not, or modify it accordingly. All in all, the whole process has been a lot of fun. It was strenuous. It did take me um, the majority of those three days to write this. So on Sunday, normally I try to relax. Uh, and instead, after Mass, I got invited for lunch by some parishioners. And I told them, well, actually, no, I thank you so much. Um, let's save this for another day. But I really need this afternoon to finish the book, which I did. Uh, and I'm glad I did because I know that sometimes when inspiration strikes, you have to go for it right away and f just wrap it up, finish it and get on. Even though sometimes that means that I have to kind of put more energy and time in it than I would normally do. Um, it's worth it because now I have the book and it's almost done. What I'm going to do next is I'm going to... to uh, uh, once I've created the EPUB and the PDF version of the book. Uh, maybe I'll even create, um, I have Caliber, I think it's called Caliber, which is an app, a free app that convert EPUBs to the um, proprietary Kindle format because I know that the majority of my followers probably have a Kindle um, and Kindle doesn't read EPUBs directly. Um, I'm going to make a landing page for this uh, where they, people, people can download the book. And then I'm going to change the landing pages where you can sign up for my media diary um, to provide people with a copy of that book once they sign up. And so that's what I'm going to do. You may say, well, hey, but I am already a patron. I'm subscribed to the patron newsletter. And... <laughs> Don't, no worries. This, this will get to you at one point. But I don't want to uh, try to do everything at once. Uh, step by step. Just like the, the journey to, to uh, Mount Doom. <laughs> you can't do everything at once. So the plan is to integrate all the contacts that are currently in Patreon. To move them over to Kajabi as well so that uh, people will receive the same newsletter, the same content, the same stories, instead of having to you know, repost them. Uh, and and the, the end result is hopefully going to be a very controllable, um, sustainable <laughs> product, um, how do you say that, like workflow, where everything is just on one website. Even the podcast, I've already uploaded all the... Um, podcast of the break and the walk and the Catholic Insider that's coming soon. That's another big project that I've been working on for weeks. Um, and uh, the next step is um, tomorrow. I'll work with Inga to um, to redirect the um, uh, the podcatchers so that they don't take the feed that is currently linked to our WordPress website and to Podbean, but that it takes the feed immediately from Kajabi. Um, if all goes well, you should notice nothing. It should all stay the same. Um, and then the next step, and that's going to be a lot more tricky, is to make the transition, the full transition from Patreon to Kajabi. But that 
is also going to require the help of my patrons because it's something that I cannot do automatically behind the scenes. So we're still figuring out how to best do this, but the huge advantage is for us, it's going to be so much easier to distribute content and to link also all the stuff that I do in one system. Uh, and it's also much, much better for the donations because of the, uh, the percentage that, um, uh, that Patreon, of course, charges for its services, which, of course, it's a very good service, but I'd rather, of course, <laughs> keep that money myself to, um, to support the work that I do. And also, and this is something that has in the past also cost me patrons, is that uh, by law, uh, Patreon is forced to also calculate VAT, uh, so taxes. And so if you want to sign up for a certain tier, then you may think, well, oh, it's just five bucks a month. But then Patreon will charge you VAT on top of that. And people are like, Whoa, come on, <laughs> that's not what I signed up for. We are going to avoid all that stuff if we can charge ourselves through Kajabi, um, because it's a, you know, it will all be our. We do this as a nonprofit organization in the Netherlands. So anyway, it will be much clearer, I think, for uh, my future supporters. But um, it's it's not complicated, but it's a it's a it's a big process. There's a lot of factors. You want to do this right. You don't want to end up with people losing their subscription or whatever. Or, um, so we're going slowly, but very carefully move every, everything over to Kajabi. Um, well, anyway, so that's how I wrote this book. And if you're, if you're curious, if you want to read it and look at the, um, the artwork and get inspired for Lent, uh, it will be available very, very soon. Um, you can already, if you can't, really can't wait, um, go to mediapriest.com. So mediapriest.com and sign up for the newsletter there. Um, but as I mentioned, if you're already signed up for my patron tiers, then we will try to migrate you as soon as possible. Um, and what I'm going to do is um, I'll try to get that book, that downloadable book, um, available to anyone who subscribes to the newsletter um, as soon as I can, maybe even today. I think that should work. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, it will already probably be available as a download. So, um, and may maybe I'll also distribute it directly to my patrons via the Patreon website. I mean, you will, you will get it one way or another. And of course, I'd love to hear what you think of it, and if you enjoy it, and most of all, if it helps you, um, because I'm here to serve. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's my, my show for today. I will continue to walk an extra mile for my patrons, um, and I will talk a bit about um, a, a really wonderful result that I had after coaching a company uh, for uh, twice, actually, um, the company who hired me to help them to uh, improve their social communications. And they're starting to implement what I taught them, and it's yielding amazing results. All right, signing off. See you next week. Happy Lent, and uh, God bless.